Good evening and welcome back to another edition of the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Feeling pretty good tonight. Yeah, we're gonna this is the softball show. Yeah. We are very excited to talk a lot of softball, um, a little bit of lacrosse and golf and football, of course, but um this is an exciting one. As always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the store there in Harrisonburg anytime, pick up everything you need. Rob, I was checking out the website today. I was trying to look something up for um, actually for Colby today. And I was one cool thing I'd forgotten they have so much of and people can use is they have like area info. Yeah. So they have really detailed like explanations and directions and everything and like what kind of fish are in what. Yeah streams and the areas all around the valley like really there's some good stuff on the website just for like local stuff yeah and, then and like i guess brian or colby like the yeah. directions are key because i will say yeah. as, as somebody <laughs> yeah. who's you know i don't get out as often as i want to it's very easy to follow their directions versus all the other sources i have like various yeah. books or websites where it's like go here and turn there like it's very simple um, yeah to get the dry river for instance you know you follow that thing it puts you right there so it's a great yeah. resource for, it is. And then like Brian has up a new fish report every week they put up on Monday. So that probably came out today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I saw that, but like, um, so just really good time. Uh, I know they're happy that uh, waters are low for the first time in a while, which I guess is a good thing for the moment. Um, w- low without being too low. So yeah, yeah uh, exciting times. Get, go by the store anytime. Mention the podcast, you get a free sticker. Rob, we're going to start with lacrosse tonight. Uh, a very respectable 14-9 loss to finish the season a first a win over Johns Hopkins to start the tournament last Friday mm-hmm. and then a very respectable loss to North Carolina on Sunday uh the number one team in the nation they had lost 15-5 to the Tar Heels earlier in the season this game was probably even closer than 14-9 um I was really lucky I think I got to watch almost the whole game uh I'm sure this team will will be frustrated when they if they ever review this one they were down 10-8 with about turnovers getting leveled. Yeah, they were down to yeah. they'd cut it to 10-8 and they had a they went they had two I, I don't know, a green card and a yellow card, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I don't know my lacrosse terms, but they had a two, Carolina had a two-man advantage um against the Dukes and the Dukes pretty much killed it off and they couldn't clear the zone. They turned it over twice trying to clear it. Like, you know, if they you felt like, wow, they just killed that off. If they go down and score and make it 10-9, this is going to be a barn burner to the end. Yeah. And Carolina turned it around. Um, it's tough. Like, but, I don't know if people aren't familiar with lacrosse. Like, you know, yeah. the cliche that the NBA is a game of runs. Lacrosse, oh. lacrosse is even more so. I mean, well, you can you can turn a game around, and it's not uncommon in the women's or men's games to have these quick four-goal bursts. That, that just well, Yeah, because once you go back to the face-off at the, after each goal, like, if you get the ball back, you You're very right well have a very good chance to score yeah. right again. Right, It so. makes it really exciting, but – it also like you you can play a great game and then let let your guard down for two or three minutes or a couple of turnovers and all of a sudden yeah. you're looking at a five goal deficit. Yeah. One thing in this game, um, you know, this team, I, I was reminded watching this game, and this is the first time I've sort of watched like start to finish since I think they played Carolina earlier in the season. Um this team's really young still, and they're gonna have a lot back next year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really going to have to find a replacement for Emma Johnson. Big congrats to her as she goes out as the program's all-time winningest player. Uh, total record of 69-18. and 18. Um, Just nice. a key, key contributor to the championship team in 2018 and back-to-back CAA Defensive Player of the Year. Um, just 
you know, that's going to be a huge person to replace. But, you know, one thing I, th- I found myself in this game, and then I realized late in the game, Rob, Isabel Peterson kind of does everything for this team. She was taking all the faceoffs. She scores the majority, you know, she scores, she's their top goal scorer. And she seemed very frustrated late in the game that she, I was just like, you remember back to the 18 team and they had so many players who did so many things, right? Mm-hmm. Haley Warden took all the faceoffs and Romsberg and Gaudi had scored all the goals. Like she didn't have to do everything, you yeah. know? But then I was reminded, I noticed that I, I looked up the stats today and Rachel Mady actually took a lot of the draws for them earlier in the year, but she's got like a huge brace on her right elbow. I don't know what's going on. She got hit on it again in this game. I'm guessing like they don't want to use her on those faceoffs, which are extremely physical for the women. Uh, I, like, I don't know what the injury is, but it just made me realize like they're going to get some players back. And I, I think that team's really got an exciting uh, future. And again, another sport where this insaneness of all these crazy COVID rules and fifth and sixth and seventh years of eligibility, the same girl, Jamie Ortega for Carolina, who's like the national leader in goal scorers, who I remember from 18 is still there and coming back again next year. Like, like it's just this is going to be a weird year to uh, get used to things. Not going to you know more than I do, but like when we're talking about draw controls, I I haven't watched enough of the mm-hmm. kind of national landscape to understand. But is it similar to the men's games where you have like, you know, do they have draw control specialists? They, they still get out there in the and they field. seem to. Yeah, they definitely seem to. I, I think it's just you know to a certain extent like your best players also like a lot of sports tend to be. Also best at okay, that, that, that right? Was my and, so they are more field players versus, you know, in the men's game, you got a lot of FOGOs that like face off, get off. That's all they yeah, do. Yeah. But I think the no, draw control no, tend to be more, more all around players. Yeah, it seems to be. I also think, I mean, you know, the men, I think the ball goes like almost to the ground, like a hockey face off. It right? is. Yeah, it's to the ground. And it's super like physical. Yeah. The women have it between their sticks. Between their sticks and like in the air. It's still really physical, right? Oh, yeah. But I think there's probably an advantage to being strong and tall right and quick twitch muscles. like I, yeah. I mean i think about Haley warden was like a very strong player mm-hmm. you know who was not going to be knocked off the ball isabella peterson that now for this team now is seems to be one of the tallest players on the team like because you pop it up in the air and then you try to go get it yeah. right so there's like i, I don't know i mean that we need to have somebody better more knowledgeable we need me. somebody to explain um, this to us yeah to explain this yeah. to us but no and and i don't think they sub on the fly quite the same way that men do um, but either way, just the shot clock has made this game so watchable mm-hmm. uh, because you, like you said, they get down three or four goals and you don't think the game's over at all. You're like, oh, they're going to get right back in it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so huge congrats to that team and Coach Shelley. Uh, you know, they got home teamed a little bit, uh, not enough to make a 14-9 difference, but they, you know, they were on the road and we'll we'll talk about this later. It, it wasn't was a just tough draw. I mean, UNC's coach even talked about how she felt like they got a tough draw. You know, yeah, the, I, I actually, in I fact, actually the announcer was really classy comments. I did too. And and the announcer um, during the game, I thought, did a good job of saying, you know, they obviously were looking at this from Carolina. They're covering the number one team in the nation starting the tournament. That's going to be the, we understand that's going to be the focus of the coverage. Um, but they did talk about how this was really important for UNC, who hasn't played in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. due to scheduling, you know, standard COVID and, and then ACT tournament they played earlier to allow in case of COVID stuff this year. Yeah. So they hadn't played in a couple of weeks and they were talking about they'd only had like three games this year within four or five goals. Yeah. So this was really important. Like they were talking about how good this, you know, what a impressive showing it was from JMU and maybe that will 
be good for Carolina. So yeah, good all the way around. Uh, congrats to that team. The other one, Rob, we just should hit uh, women's golf finished their season. I, I really, you know, congrats to them. I think the whole team's coming back. They're in great shape. They're obviously moving in the right direction. They had a hell of a second day of the three-day tournament. It looked like they might make a run at it like they did in the CAA so, tournament. I mean, they came yeah. pretty close. Yeah. They, they did. Moved um, up the leaderboard. They did. Uh, and thank goodness their regional played. I, I just, I don't know if anybody's been following this, but the NCAA, I, I just, I, I'm at a loss for words. They canceled the Baton Rouge. The Louisiana region. one. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are a bunch of teams. I mean, there's like 16 teams that made the NCAA tournament and didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. And there were multiple golf courses saying, like local other courses in the state saying like, hey, if you want to come over here, it's not washed out. And of course, the course itself, the NCAA itself said that the course was not unplayable, but quote, was not championship caliber. Well, I don't know how many well, of us are. championship caliber than go- not playing? <laughs> than not playing, right. I just, oh, it's so frustrating. And we're going to get into this with softball in just a second. But yeah. Big congrats to women's golf. Awesome for them. Uh, we'll save football for the end because it's not really worthy of a show. Rob, we got to talk about softball tonight. Um, neither of us are super knowledgeable. We hope we can find a softball guest if and when the Dukes get out of the Knoxville Regional this week uh, for next week. But we're going to do seven innings kind of lightning round style. Um, maybe we'll cut ourselves off at five for yeah. a run rule here. Um I want to, before we get to the NCAA tournament, we need to take a moment and appreciate what, for anyone that didn't pay attention, what softball did in the CAA tournament this weekend and in this season. They finished 34 and 1 on the season. They won the CAA tournament. <laughs> there are so many stats, it's really difficult to get your head around. They won, they outscored their three opponents 32 to 0. Um, <laughs> 26 hits for the Dukes, two hits for their opponents in that 32 to zero. 10 of those 26 hits were home runs. Yeah. Um, that's first. Rob, you want to go next? Well, what, just, what's the, I was going to say, after one of the most dominating conference regular seasons, mm-hmm. they made that look like nothing by this. Uh, I was, was so impressed. It looked like they were running. It looked like they were pitching like me and you. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't even look fair. And like Delaware has a pretty decent RPI, they're not a bad team. Yeah, they lost seventeen nothing in the final. Yeah. It just it it looked it, like yeah. one of these you know murder everyone revenge tours. Like they just looked so much better than everybody else that it was like they weren't even playing the same game. You yeah. know, they Jam talk about that you. all the time. You know? the, in the final, winning seventeen zero might have knocked Delaware out of the big dance. Like ESPN had cameras at Delaware for the selection show. If it was a close game, Delaware would have been in. But then it's like, yeah, if, they just got, oh, yeah, like, they got embarrassed. They just got, yeah. Um, I, I know. At, so, yeah. See, Odyssey Alexander had a no hitter and a two hit shutout. Alyssa Humphrey had a five inning no hitter, her fourth of the season in the tournament. So, in only one game, did a team get hits? Um, the most. So, I mean, first, we're going to get to Kate Gordon in a second, but we'll we'll start. Well, this is there's one stat that has to do with Kate Gordon. That's the most incredible stat I've ever heard about baseball in my lifetime or softball in my lifetime, which is JMU won, scored the winning run. They scored the winning run in their first plate appearance 
of every of game. Each of the three games, yeah. which can only happen one way, which means that the batter, the first batter of the leadoff batter of the game hit a home run yeah. or scored a run somehow. Yeah. In this case, Kate Gordon hit three leadoff home runs in three games. She also hit another home run in each game. She went seven for nine with six homers, six home runs. Yeah. I mean, this is like, uh, it's like, beyond, big, like it's like big poppy. That's that, what that I was going to say. Uh, me yeah. too. And I was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, this is, and then it, by the final, it had almost gotten like beyond the big poppy. The other insane thing, she didn't even set the record for RBIs in a single game because her teammate, Logan Newton, actually had seven RBIs in the championship game where Gordon's series or game high in the series. She twice had six RBIs, I think. Oh, she had 12 RBIs in the series, six in the six home runs. Yeah. Logan Newton had seven RBI in the championship game. Uh, Sarah Jubas, every time uh, Kate Gordon would hit a home run, it seemed like Jubas would follow up with either a. No- I mean, twice they went back to back on home runs. It seemed like she got a hit every time behind her just to start the lineup again, as if there was another. We get a free run and then there's a leadoff hit. Yeah. Uh, we're not even talking about the pitching who gave up two hits in three games. Well, that's the like, craziest thing, Todd, is if you look at no, it like yeah. people who aren't familiar with softball. You know, sometimes yeah. get caught up like no hitters are more frequent. Pitchers can absolutely dominate. Yeah. But then you need to juxtapose that with players going seven for nine and six homers. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like they're no. too good on both ends. Like you're like, oh, well, you know, it's softball. So things happen. And sometimes people get hot and they bat 770 or something. Yeah. yeah but then you only give up two. It, it, it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't work out. You know, yeah. you've got a, you've got a sport where. The national leaders, it's similar to like college baseball where, you know, the, the mm-hmm. averages are, you can't compare major league averages, right. but like the national leaders in, in women's softball are batting around 500. You know, yeah. you've got, you've got good hitters will bat over 400, but then Jamie mows them down to the tune of, you know, an opponent's batting average for the tournament was probably like what, point, point 38 or oh, something like under a hundred. Yeah. yeah. And just, JMU as a team hit over 400 yes. for the tournament, like as a team. So it's just like so, you look at the opposite ends where you're just absolutely mowing people down from the circle. Yeah. Well, and, and how many waking. times and, – and I just – I was so happy, Rob. I mean, how many years with this program – the two programs that we talk about so much, softball and women's hoops, how many years have we, you know, grinded through a dominant – CAA regular season and then have an injury and then been scared to death or had an injury or had just a bad day, you know, when you get to the tournament and all the wheels fall off and suddenly all the, you know, power five bias and everything else. And you're screwed out of even getting a chance. And to see this team, I mean, not just rise to the occasion and leave no doubt, but leave no doubt. Yeah. I was going to say, this is a leave no doubt performance. Yeah. This was like, and then, um, yeah, so just first of all, enormous congratulations to softball for weathering one of the craziest seasons in program in everyone's history um, and just not making no excuses and getting the job done. And I don't think this team, they looked as good this they looked better this weekend than they have all year. And it wasn't just the scores. It's just that they have two pitchers who look like they're both in sync you know, for the first time all year, they both look like they're going at the same time in Odyssey Alexander and Alyssa Humphrey. Mm-hmm. You know, they rode Humphrey for a big portion of kind of the early middle part of the season. 
Um, and then Alexander got really hot at the end. But to see them both pitch so well this weekend, we know what's coming this com- th- next. And I'm excited about their chances. Um, I mean, I guess we'll start with what happened. So the Dukes got are getting sent to the ninth overall seed, Tennessee. Everyone should take a step back. Uh, the one thing we should say is the NCAA pre-selected host sites. So very similar to the spring FCS football playoffs, the sites were predetermined before the tournament. So um, there is one case. Uh, we, we had some hope going into this that JMU could get like Virginia Tech had been selected as one of the sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blacksburg, there were 20 sites for potentially 16 that would be used. Virginia Tech had been chosen as one of those. There was at least some discussion. And I thought Shane Metlin, there were a few people talking. It was possible for JMU to get, say, the 15th or 16th national seed and be the host at Virginia Tech. This did happen in one region, the Athens region in Georgia. Uh, Unfortunately, Duke got the seed, was the seeded team. They won the ACC tournament. They're the 12th seed, I think, nationally. Uh, Unfortunately for them, Georgia is not seeded and is in that (laughs) is also in that pod. Um, so that's what could have happened. I, I will say, all things considered, JMU could have hosted at Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech could have stayed home. As it turns out, Virginia Tech is going out to Tempe to seeded Arizona State. Sure. And I'll take JMU going to Knoxville, a place they're familiar with um, and a team they're familiar with over a lot of that. JMU got no favors from the third team in the bracket, which is Liberty, which is a very JMU-esque team when it comes to softball quality. Um, I thought I was going to miss the chance to make fun of uh, siblings with names by not getting to play South Dakota State in football with Jackson and Jaden. But Liberty's best two players are Autumn and Amber. Autumn and Amber something. Oh, of um, course they are. So, of course, we're, of course we're going to enjoy that this weekend. Look, so it's well, Liberty's Eastern good. Con- that, that's a tough. Liberty's good. Tough. You've got three top twenty-five teams mm-hmm. in, in that region. And, it's, it's a tough. And really, play. Liberty is a team that it would if JMU had played their full schedule. Liberty's resume—they had eleven losses, but it looks very much like what JMU's resume would have looked like probably if they had played, you know, a non-COVID schedule. Where Liberty played a bunch of Power Five teams, they did get two or three wins. You know, so it makes them look better. Where JMU didn't play really anybody out of conference. Um, as it turns out, you know, losing the GW series really hurt JMU because GW turned out to be a tournament team. They yeah. won the A10. Uh, so there were some things along the way that that hurt the Dukes. Uh, but overall, I, the one great thing about this region, Rob, um, they're going to play the nine seed. And, you know, the year they went to play Michigan, I don't remember what Michigan seed was, lower seed. You know, that was the year that the Dukes got out a, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the one problem when they got out, they had to go to UCLA. UCLA. Right? The defending champs. Um, that, that, was, the defending, that was the last yeah, tournament. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it was like one or two seed, right? Yeah. And this year, one great thing about the nine seed, whoever wins the nine seed pod goes to the eight seed, Missouri, who's another just also ran from the SEC like Tennessee is. And that doesn't mean those aren't great teams, but – I, you know, it's not impossible. This is probably as good of a, you know, this weekend is as hard as JMU has seen because of the Liberty game. But if they get out of this and they go to Missouri as the, like, that's not playing Oklahoma or UCLA UCLA, or Florida, right? You're not going to the absolute tops programs. So the, 
if JMU can get out of this weekend and I, they have a real chance to go to Oklahoma city. And I guess the thing I'll say this weekend, Tennessee, Jamie's going to have to beat someone twice. So it's double elimination format. JMU plays at noon on Friday against Liberty on ESPNU. So anyone still working from home, like yours truly, yeah. you can probably catch this game, uh, which is great. They would if they the winner would play at noon on Saturday, and then on Sunday is the final slash back to back final. I was thinking about this. If the first game is just enormous, right? This Liberty they gotta game get is just off to huge. You gotta they get. Gotta get it's yeah. Tough- if if they if they don't beat Liberty. They probably beat Eastern, you know, uh, the odds will be in their favor to beat Eastern Kentucky if they lose to Tennessee. But then, going to but then they'll twice. have to play Liberty again, and then they'd have to play Tennessee twice. Um, and that's just a lot of time for those, even with two pitchers. The, if they beat Liberty, they really set up well. Even if they lose to Tennessee in game two, they would probably play Liberty again, and then they'd come back to play Tennessee on Sunday. And Tennessee is a one-horse show. Ashley, they have one great pitcher, Ashley Roger. She was phenomenal for them in a couple of wins in the SEC tournament. But it is that's it. And no matter how good you are, I mean, we saw Megan Good throw like 298 pitches like a couple of years ago. But like at some point, this double, this two-headed monster JMU has is really reminiscent of those Jalen Ford, Megan Good, Good, early Megan teams. Um, you know, that went to the Super Regional against LSU. You know, if they could get Tennessee, even if they need two against Tennessee on Sunday, if they could get to a situation where they're playing two against Tennessee on Sunday, I really would be happy with their chances. Um, you know? Yeah, it's I, I, just, like, I, I think it's a very tough region that they got sent to. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if they can get through it, it's a pretty favorable path. Well, so, and actually, wildly, I read the like – preview of the Missouri region, which is where they would play the winner of the Missouri regional, which is Missouri, Iowa state are the bigger names in that regional. That is considered the bombing region. Mm-hmm. It's the all offense region. There's no pitching in that region. Missouri scores this year have like crooked numbers. They play in the sec. They obviously play against a bunch of great teams. They also score a ton, but they have a lot of like seven, six, 13, 10, 14, 11 games. Yeah. Uh, you know, like JMU's offense can score. Like whoever wins the JMU Tennessee Liberty bloodbath is going to have a shot if they're pitching in in shape. You know, in that second, whoever they play the second week. I think that's um, the big takeaway for me is like this is a very yeah. tough one, but you're gonna have, you're gonna have a deserved winner coming out of there and in a very winnable path. Now we hope it's JMU, but it just as easily could be Tennessee or Liberty. You know, um, yeah. this is going to be a tough one. This is the the quote unquote group of death for any soccer fans. Yeah. You know, it's tough with three top 25 teams. Um, but you never know. I mean, you get out of yeah. there and I think Friday's the key. You got to get off to a good start. Yeah. You don't want to be, you don't want to be playing, you know, down to your last strike. No. And, and I, I, another player, uh, Kate Gordon, again, um, has a history of hitting, hitting dingers against Tennessee yeah. um, from a couple years back. So would, would be enjoyable to see them play. Uh, I know the older players on this team, Alexander, Gordon, Jubas, they will not be afraid. This is a team they've played Tennessee. They're familiar with Tennessee. In their yeah. career. Yeah, they've played. They've won and lost against Tennessee. That's not the scary thing here. They need to get off to a good start on Friday. Um, you know, if they could win, if they win the first game against Liberty, 
they would really put themselves in a great position. So it's going to be really fun to watch. I, I would love to be sitting here next week talking about what the potential is for a, a super regional series mm-hmm. against somebody. You know, um, Missouri's not a lock in their own series because of what we just said. They're sort of um, feast or famine nature. So, you know, who knows what could happen down the road here. So really exciting for them. And I will say, Rob, we both watched a little bit last night after the selection show and then and then followed on Twitter the uh, the scuttlebutt today about the selection show. Let's just say JMU wasn't the only team that felt a little aggrieved in the softball world no, last the night. Pac-12. In, the Pac-12. In fact, the Pac-12, and I think former USA Olympic, is it Mike Candrea, the Arizona coach, who's like one of the like former, I think, Olympic coaches or Team USA coaches, you know, he kind of went off about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, Oregon defending something or other, you know, really solid program, got sent to Texas, uh, not by accident. Oregon's coach and half their team quit and went or, you know, went to Texas and half the players went to Texas with them yeah. um, last year. So that was weird. Uh, a lot of people at the UCLA and Arizona world were really upset that Oklahoma got the number one seed. Um, you know, everybody sort of understands. So the SEC got 12 out of their 14 teams in. Only Vandy and South Carolina did not make the tournament. Um, that wasn't entirely surprising. But then to turn around and see the Big 12 given almost equal footing with the Pac-12, who is really the... The, the behemoth in softball, yeah, or at least the deserved behemoth in softball. Um, that's UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, right? All the Washington, um, UW, I think, um, they the University of Washington walked out of their of the selection show video, um, because of their placement in the tournament, like coordinated walkout, like all the girls got up, turned their back, and walked out of the room, mm-hmm. um, when ESPN cameras went to them. This was not uh, it, apparently it was not unexpected for the Pac-12, but uh, but it <laughs> Jamie was not the only team here uh, left feeling a little perturbed here. Philip, so the, the SEC it, bias runs deep. With this it, oh my goodness, this really felt like, and, and you know the, the really hard thing. I think especially it was frustrating in this year, where it, it, for example the Big Ten not as strong, um, but the Big Ten. They didn't play any out-of-conference games. They only played Big Ten games. So here's a Power Five conference. Uh, With difficult resumes. But, but really difficult judge. resumes, yeah. right? And, of course, the SEC played all their games that had no COVID. The COVID didn't exist in the SEC, yeah. so it hasn't ever. So, um, you know, they played, and it just means more. And But it's hard. <laughs> like, there are teams in the SEC who are, like, 10 and 16 is their conference record. Yeah, and they're I mean, in the Georgia, NCAA tournament. Isn't Georgia like 29 right. and 20 overall? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it's just hard when you're 34 and 1, like JMU, and none of your cancellations are within your control, Yeah, really. And you're known, you know, a team like JMU, I, I was trying to think of who else today. There was um, Louisiana. Uh, there's a couple teams. And then, of course, tonight, I don't know if you saw this, Rob, but Santa Clara women won the NCAA championship in soccer. So a team out of the Big West. Um, and now, look, Santa Clara has a pretty storied history, men's and women's soccer. Um, but they took down Florida State tonight in the women's championship game um, to win the NCAA tournament. I, it just It's frustrating when you have programs like JMU who, uh, 
you know, they've sort of, I'd like to think that people who really pay attention to softball are aware of JMU. And then you get to the selection show and I'm not really sure that the people making the decisions are aware of that. Yeah. You know, that's what's frustrating, continues to be frustrating. Um, so I don't know. And then the one thing I w- did want to, I should correct myself a little bit, Rob, is I, I did tweet um, rather angrily after the show last night that, you know, screw the NCAA, the CAA is hurting JMU, but I'm really excited about the path. Um, and Shane Metlin uh, wrote back and and did sort of correct me in that, you know, both conference US, he, he must have been following the, the discussion we've been having with Preston Adams and others over the last couple of weeks quietly in the background about, um, you know, our feelings about the CAA and about FCS uh, lately. And Shane made a good point, which is, you know, Conference USA and the Sun Belt are not any better than the CAA and softball. Maybe they're worse. Um, now, that said, I, I that's A, all due to JMU. And B, I don't know how – his point is valid, right? That those conferences would not help JMU. We'd be in the same in situation. Softball. But that is the other side of it is we're hurt. You know, we say that we're staying because of our all sports philosophy and that we care about everything, but we're not helping the teams. You know, softball to me, watching Santa Clara win the title tonight, watching JMU win the lacrosse title in 2018. JMU could win. I, I think they could win a national championship in in softball. I think they could make the college world series in softball. I don't know about the national championship that gets really, really dicey, Yeah, but I think JMU can, can win. Look, you get to Oklahoma city, anything can happen. It's double elimination, but I think JMU could make the college world series. I think they could do it this year, but I definitely think they could do it once every 10 years in this program. I, I think women's basketball can make a sweet 16, but there comes a point when this is hurting those teams too, you know, and lacrosse is in a different position because the CAA is probably helping them more than hurting them mm-hmm. um, because of the teams that they play, because Drexel and Towson, there are teams that take lacrosse very seriously. And but the ability I, to schedule out of conference is a little easier than, than a softball. Yeah. Cause it's a real regional part yeah. of this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, softball gets, it's just so, I'm not sure there's a more insular like cloistered sport where it's just these like, I mean, they're like they're like FBS football when it comes to like the except you know it's SEC and Pac-12 oh, instead of SEC and Big Ten. It's so frustrating. It's like it's so. like when you watch you know the the classic example of you know the the Georgia Tech basketball team that goes nine and eight in conference play and oh give them a seed versus you know a Furman or somebody else. You yes, know, it's just garbage. I mean, former coach you know Mickey was at Auburn. What was he like four or five games over five hundred? They're in. Yeah, they're in. It's like, oh, yeah, the <laughs> SEC. Like, if you finish above 500 in the SEC, you're going to the tournament. Yeah. You're, you're, and I, mean, I got to admit, there was a part of me that was hoping for Auburn somewhere in the path. But yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll see him in OKC. So, yeah. But it is <laughs> yeah. weird. Like, you can only play who you play. And if these teams won't schedule JMUs or, you know, or George Washington or any of these other right. programs that are kind of outsiders looking in, and you don't have those preseason – tournaments that that match everybody up it just kind of sucks like what are you going to do it's impossible to become a gonzaga of of softball if teams won't play you Um, yeah i don't know what the answer is i I guess more of these tournaments or maybe 
the NCAA stepping in and mandating that they do something. It's better for the sport overall if it becomes something more than just the, the Pac-12 and SEC. That's what's really frustrating is I feel like softball, college softball, college baseball have better potential. And, and soccer is the other one, I think, than than a lot of other sports. But I think soccer is a good example. You've got like they, Santa yeah, Clara can, or Akron on the men's side. Or yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily power, Creighton, you know? No. Um, now, one thing with soccer, especially on the men's side, is you do have this international recruiting that yeah. makes things more possible. But um, softball and JMU's a perfect example of this. Louisiana is a perfect example of this. It's a you can really grow the game in these markets where you wouldn't, right? Lafayette, Louisiana, mm-hmm. Harrisonburg, Virginia. These are places, Lehigh, Pennsylvania. I don't know for sure about any of those particular markets, but like we know what JMU softball crowd, like there's potential there. Is it gonna be you know, Arizona State tomorrow? Probably not. But like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a tough sell. <laughs> you know, ODU football is a tough sell for the home fans at the end of a four and six year. Mm-hmm. You know, like JMU softball is a marketable product to a local market. Like no one's putting this on ABC in Saturday afternoon. We're not arguing that yet. But, but I am kind of, it's just frustrating that the, I think it would be better for the game um, to to grow it in more places than just make it all about just the SEC tournament. You well, know, Todd, like Todd, you've heard me complain about this forever, yeah. like off the yeah. podcast and just in our personal lives and friendship. Like the growth of travel sports is exploding, and you figure like travel softball is one of those things, like the money being spent on those things. So, so clearly there's an appetite for people to pay attention in some way, volleyball. shape or form. Yeah. yeah. Volleyball. I mean, everything like parents are spending thousands of dollars to bring their kids to all of these, you know, Disney wide world of sports tournaments. Like it might not do huge numbers on ABC on a Saturday afternoon, but there are people paying attention. So clearly yes. there are people, you know, vested in the game of softball throughout the Mm -hmm. country you go between now and august any given weekend you will find these huge tournaments happening all over the country with girls like so it seems like you would want to grow that beyond just the sec impact 12 footprint yeah there are tournaments happening in ohio with really good players and parents spending thousands of dollars to go down there why would you not want to expand that the old you know the proverbial rising tide lifts all boats um yeah grow the game it's not just the sec it's not just the pac-12 there are good yeah. players all over and there are people that love this sport and will pay attention and watch and it's not all about tv money you know sometimes no, it's just about the gate you know it's like yeah can you can you create some a situation where people are excited to go to the games we saw when jamie hosted the super regionals when they brought yeah. lsu to town they had to bring in extra seats like that's an exciting thing for the region um yeah it's just people need to need to get yeah. out of the the old way of doing things and start. Well, and I'd like to see, I mean, I know I, I tried to find some pieces. There's a website, softball America that does some rankings and some pieces, but like one thing that's frustrating for me as kind of an outsider here is like looking for information. Like I assume today after selection Sunday, there'd be like discussion and other than, so ESPN who to their credit, they show a lot of softball during the year, right. On the ESPN family of networks. Yeah. But they show, you know what they show? They show the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And so that's all that they care about. And that's all that they talk about. 
but there's no like bracketology for softball. Like there's no you general, know, general in, Yeah. Well, it's really frustrating. That's what it is. It's like in women's basketball, even just in Virginia, we got our the woman we followed forever, Lady Swish, who like does a blog about Virginia college hoops, d- different, you know, all the schools in Virginia. Like there are even our little FCS world in football. Like there's a if you want to follow the national FCS picture, there's a couple of outlets that have grown up in the last 10 or 20 years that really help. I mean, they helped make yesterday palatable <laughs> from a even from a J, salty JMU fan, right? That the championship was taking place. And softball is just frustrating because I'm sure there's like a whole SEC network of stuff, but they didn't even talk about like, they don't talk about anything else. And it's just, yeah, I hope that that can get well, fixed. Well, it's still, it, I don't know, Todd, if you ever read like ESPNW, it's great mm-hmm. that it exists, but it still is so lacking. It's so lacking. So and then lacking. you have to go to like college it, sports. It's, it's and perfunctory. Yeah. It just, it's perfunctory high level coverage. Um, it's yeah. great now that you can pretty much count on any given night. You tune into Sports Center, top ten plays. You're going to have female athletes. That's terrific. But you're not. And like, I love Holly Rowe, but yeah. they need to trot her out for every women's sport, right? You know, and it's like she's terrific. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you if you watched after the selection show, they had the broadcast of the Seven right. Minutes podcast, which was you which was cool. It. Yeah, it was yeah. really well done. Like that shouldn't be a, a once a year thing at ten o'clock on a Sunday night, right? You know, yeah, there no. should be more front page ESPN.com versus ESPNW, which is which is great. But like you've got to get legitimate coverage, legitimate analysis, not just game recaps and a couple highlights. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is if we if if the Dukes can win, what do they need? Three or four wins this weekend. I don't know how many they'll need, depending on how the, how things go. If they get out of the regional this weekend. Um, there'll be all kinds of misinformation spread about JMU being a small school yes. you know, and all this stuff the following weekend. And we'll be looking forward yeah, to it. And before we move on, can, I don't know if you, can we talk about Florida's uniforms? Have you seen these football-esque jerseys they have with the big giant numbers oh, the on numbers. the front? Yeah, I saw 22 and I was like, is this an Emmett tribute? Like- yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. They're terrible. Because yeah. I actually think most softball uniforms are very traditional. Like they're very mm-hmm. kind of classic look. And, and that big, those are awful. What are they trying to do there? They, they look like intermodal <laughs> uniforms. I was actually thinking, I, I like that softball. Like there's not, it does seem to be, there's a lot, there seems to be a lot more team discretion in like what you want your uniform to be, yeah. right? You don't have to wear hats or visors or like you, you can choose or, what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more, um, and and then, like what your sleeves and all that stuff, yeah. But the Florida things are ridiculous. They're yeah, terrible. that's a good point. Yeah. No, they look like a NASCAR team out yeah. there or something. Yeah, so <laughs> like, Florida uniforms. Don't like Florida them. uniforms. Oh, one last final note I should make about JMU sports. Um, baseball. I don't know if you saw this today, but they're going to play like they're going to Williamsburg to finish a game tomorrow. Um, from earlier in the season that they're trailing. In like they, like they got rained out in the seventh or... inning, lightning or something in the seventh inning. Yeah. If they win the game, they would actually be back alive for the conference tournament. Um, I'm surprised. I don't know who would get screwed in that situation, but um, you know, kudos to the CAA, kudos to William and Mary for making that happen. Um, I, I think I'm glad. I, I don't know what that means, but James, it would. I I did read today that. That, that JMU would be alive for the CAA tournament um, if they w- could come back and win the game. So good luck baseball, because they do have two more games remaining with VCU out of conference um, 
the rest of the way. Uh, but and VCU yeah. is good this year. Yeah. So, but that wouldn't help them in the CAA no, standing. No, no, so I don't know that. Tough test. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so that was kind of interesting. And then the last thing. Um, look, congrats to Sam Houston. Um, I, I you know wish we didn't have to say it. Uh, I'm kind of I, I got to say some of our f- friends and coworker colleagues, Rob, were uh, were not rooting for Sam Houston. Um, I think mainly for Keeler's sake or just to continue saying Sam hadn't won it. I, I was rooting for Sam Houston um, mainly because now we can say like it really is NDSU. Like the two other Valley teams that have made the championship in this NDSU run have both lost in the championship, Youngstown yeah. to JMU and now SDSU. Um, so I kind of don't want to hear it from the Valley. Well, it's a tough break with the injury though yesterday. It was a tough break with the injury. Um, but I think we should also mention the same kid that destroyed JMU destroyed I don't know if you saw any of the highlights yesterday, but is all yeah. He had two touchdowns. Really made me question the and he just weaved through. Oh yeah, makes you question (laughs) the play calling of um, of South Dakota State. I just don't know that playing not to lose, and I mean it just as he was weaving through defenders, just like physically out muscling everyone. All I could think of is how conservative their offensive game plan was, (laughs) and that's the big problem. That guy's special. That guy's special. I mean, how Howard let him get away. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, I was wondering, I don't know his whole story because did he leave after London, London left? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't, Howard was kind of going through some stuff there, um, for a second. So I don't know. That guy's legit though. I mean, it's, he's it's, really good. And also, I mean, yeah. that was one heck of a throw. I, I just saw the highlights. I didn't watch the game. I didn't yeah. have the stomach for it, but that was one heck of a throw for the winning touchdown. I mean, he, yeah. he really threaded the needle there. Yeah, well, and, and, and as hard also CAA ref, average CAA ref made it made its presence felt, not yeah. replaying the potential fumble at the goal line yeah. early in the game. Oh. And <laughs> as I still think Keeler giving himself a PhD is hilarious, and I can't stand the guy, but he is a good coach. He, I mean, you got to give him credit for the way that he built Sam Houston in this like kind of flashy team that wasn't ready for the playoffs. And to the guy's credit, he clearly took a look at things and said, I got to change things. And he's very open about the fact that he took a look at JMU and North Dakota State and said, we need to change our approach if we're going to win. And I mean, hats off to the guy. He went and did it. They, they built that team from the inside out. That was a tough team. Um, they beat North Dakota State, JMU, JMU, and South Dakota State. Yeah, they earned it. They earned it. There's there's no pretending. So hats off to him. I'm not happy about it. I wish JMU was there. I still think JMU could have won it all. Um but that was not a pretender. That was not an asterisk type of championship for some reason. No, and they seemed very much like the 2016 JMU team in yeah. that they were just on a mission. They were hungry to prove everybody wrong yep. about what their program was all about, and they did it. So and much like the congrats. JMU team, everybody thought they were a finesse team. But if you really watch the games, they were much more than that. They were really yes, tough on both, were. Sides of the, on both sides of the line. Yeah, and we learned one thing this weekend for absolute sure. We should just never play in Frisco again. So it's May, and they had a lightning delay yeah. for like an hour and a half. I mean, I, there's just no – it's just Texas sucks. There's no – like the weather is awful. Like there are great things about Texas, but the weather is just too unpredictable. It's not fun. It's either like – you know, we've been through too many of these. Can we just go to Florida or SoCal or Vegas and call it a like day? It just seems like it's driven by these weird Valley teams, fan bases – Obsession with restaurants. Restaurants, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I, that's so weird. Like there were pictures on social media from what? What is it? Like, <laughs> tight ends or you know? Yeah, Twin Peaks. Whatever. Yeah, it's embarrassing. 
Like everybody's like, oh, Frisco's so great. You got this and that, and you got all these hot ladies, and they bring me wings, and they love me. And like, no, like that is not a reason to have a game in Frisco. Like, put it in Orlando or put it in. Yeah, can we go to FAU or FIU? I mean, I don't care. It doesn't need to be anywhere fancy. I mean, we go back to Chattanooga for JMU's sake, but I mean, mean, Vegas, just go to Vegas. Like, why is this that difficult? Go to Vegas. Put it in New Orleans. It's not that hard. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Like I got to imagine the time of year they want to do it. You can find a stadium with decent weather or find a dome someplace. I guess you're not going to do a dome because it's the size no. of it. But to me, it seems like play it in San Diego, play it in Vegas, or go to Florida somewhere. Orlando's got a hundred stadiums. Orlando, Tampa, Tampa from Orlando South. Yeah, I mean Orlando, Tampa, whatever. Just give me warm weather, a chance to go to the pool. Like in January, like that's all I'm asking. It's yeah. not that hard. And nothing against <laughs> no. Texas. Texas is a great state. Yeah, Many we've had people. fun. I love right. barbecue, but it's just. It, and got... honestly, Texas has been great for JMU because we have such a great alumni chapter down yeah. there. And I do love that. But this weather thing is, it, I mean, it's how many times is the trend? It's every, year. it's every year. I mean, this is incredible. So, yeah. Um. Anyways, enough of that. 109 days till September 4th. And then the uh, one other last note for me, Rob, on football. You know, people were freaking out. JMU. I, I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the worst parts of the, JMU Nation and JMU Nation 2.0, and the message boards probably listen to us start to finish, but people were freaking out over a couple of transfers last week. This is the way of the world right now. Like I didn't see Mike Green transfer. I didn't see Percy transfer. I didn't hear Antoine Wells Jr. transfer yet. Like these things happen, you know, and I don't know what to make of it. You know, there's 1,500 kids in the basketball portal right now. 1,500 kids. That's like 109 rosters or something I read. Like they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like everyone has this free transfer this year. The rules have been loosened up. Everyone who's not getting to play. And look, I hope it's because I don't know about this, but I'd like to think a kid like Gage Maloney that Coach Signetti is being honest with him and saying, look, if Cole comes back, well, and he's saying, look, we're going to look for a transfer. We we have some kids in the pipeline and we might bring in a transfer to compete for the job. And if Cole comes back, that transfer will be competing with Cole. And one of the kids, you know, Kyle Adams or one of these kids that I recruited, you know, so you'll get a chance. But if you want to go be the star, then I don't, I'm not going to hold you back, you know? And to me, like the Jawan Hamilton, same way. This is a kid who transferred from UCF. He's gotten a chance, but he's you not going to be number one back. That's he's, not, he's, that's well, and he's not going to be a feature back, right? No, he's, he's going to be very good. Gonna, he'll be he'll right. be a terrific football player. Fans will love him. He'll yep. have highlights. But if he wants to be a number one every down back, it is not going to happen at JMU, and not no. because of Percy. You know, no, not just because we got Keelan Black. There's Austin Douglas. There's you know, younger Charles kids Palmer, behind him. Like Joe Palmer. There's a bunch of kids. That's just not and the I'd way like to think that's built. the coaches also being honest with him and saying, "Look, that's we're not going to change our philosophy here." And I don't begrudge and him. For I don't one begrudge him at all. Good luck. Saying, you know, God bless. He got his degree. Like he's a graduate. Yes. He's gonna be. He played his ass off for JMU. He's got tons to be proud of. I will be a fan of his no matter where he goes. Oh, but I I'll totally be- get it as a grad student. Go someplace if you're going to go through the trouble of coming back as a grad student. Yeah. Go someplace you're going to get the rock. Yes. 
And and look, you know, I, I got James Robinson in my uh, fantasy team, the kid from Illinois State last year mm-hmm. who went nuts for the Jags. And he'll probably be ruined by Urban Meyer this year. But um, but like you watch a kid like that. He was a feature back on a he was a great back on a, you know, above average Illinois State team. And he got a chance to get drafted, you know, and a kid like Jawan, obviously he went to UCF out of high school for a reason. He probably still imagines he has a chance. And if he gets if he goes and has, you know, 300 carries next 200 carries next year somewhere then you never know, right? I mean, I just, I don't begrudge any of these kids, but I also just don't think, I mean, there were people on the, some of the Facebook stuff, which I don't pay attention to because I don't have it, but I, I heard it in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, people saying it's a sinking ship and like the program is falling apart. And That's I'm what like, what are you talking about? Well, when I got, <laughs> when you sent me the show outline today and you mentioned that we need to talk about, you know, the transfers not being in the other world. I didn't know what you were talking about at first. Right. I had to go back and be like, oh yeah. I was like, you mean Gage and Jawan? Like, I, it's just, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Like I hope Gage lands someplace where he plays and he's happy, but like, he's a guy who's been around for four years has never cracked the starting lineup. Um, I will root like hell root for, for both him. those kids. But like, I hope we don't see him in the playoffs. Like, if we, the, you know, the like kid ain't going to Clemson, you know, like right. That's he's not probably going to end up at like, I would think a good landing spot would be like a Southern Conference team or yeah. NEC team. Stanford. He, or, yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a ton of tape. The tape he does have is kind of like these relief appearances where he was exciting and it was great to see him rally the troops for Elon. But like, he doesn't have a lot of highlights, if, if we're being no. kind. Right. Um, it, it's just, it sucks. It is what it is, but it's not like we're losing Brian Shore or Vadley. <laughs> No, we're, we're right. losing a guy who oh, yeah. was who we were very excited about a couple of years ago and has never been able to crack the starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, just that's, everybody don't panic yet. If if they're, you know, when there's a mass mutiny, we'll 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 panic along with everybody else. But uh, you know, I think this is more a question of kids and coaches having honest conversations and, and looking about what's best for them. And we don't blame anyone in any of our sports for doing what's best for their career and their opportunities. No, and we will be a fan of Gage, but like like you said, oh. like, it's probably not in the cards for him. I think Signetti yeah. either turns it over to one of the young guys next year and says, despite what the fans think, I'm really ready to treat this as a a year for growth and go forward. And if we if that ends up being we get a sophomore quarterback who's you know gets Ten starts, and we maybe win one playoff game and lose. That'll set us up better for junior and senior year. I think he'd do that. Would go the transfer route. If I'm being objective, I don't see a whole lot of value in putting this team in Gage's hands. Given what no, we that's know. like that's I, I, I think I, what it is. I, I feel crappy saying that. Like I like the no. guy. I would be like it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. He's not some sort of like rockstar QB or missing piece. If we're just saying like, Hey, this team is ready to win a championship around adequate QB play. We don't need superstar QB play just like game manager. I would go with the younger guy. I just would, you know, that's uh, what I wonder is that it seems like there's already three or four, you know, if Cole comes back, there's probably three or four kids on the roster who all things being equal are ready to be that kind of step into the roster, manage the game. People win. Around the quarterback versus Correct. being having the quarterback and, carry us, right? And if Cole comes back, he's obviously the front runner of that group of quarterbacks. 
And that's before we even know what the transfer market looks like, which may or may not be influenced by whoever JMU is able to hire as an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So we'll we'll get there. We, We got plenty of weeks ahead. Hopefully we've got another week or two or three of softball celebration. Um, so hopefully we won't get there soon, but, um, you know, we'll get there when we get there. I think that's 109 days, Rob, till the end of the season. You ready for overtime here? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we got a good one. We got this from our friend Tim Emery down in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago at Emery Law on Twitter. Uh, it this is a fr- no free ads here. We're supposed to say right, but no, this is a free ad. If 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 you need criminal defense in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, a city who had a wild council meeting tonight, by the way. And I would imagine like, many of our listeners do need legal defense in Charlotte, North Carolina. I think they do. One yeah. in particular, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe more than one. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah um, you can look you can look Tim up. Um he's a good person to know down there. Um but Tim asked us what sporting event and I thought this was the perfect one. We kind of saved it for this week for a reason. Uh he asked us what sporting event do you want to attend that no one else really cares about? And I know that Tim and I have had a number of discussions over the years and uh he would love. He is a huge JMU softball fan and I and he is a guy who grew up in Omaha. So he grew up with the college world, the baseball college world series mm-hmm. and is a huge fan of sort of just college baseball, softball. And I know he would love to go to OKC. Um, he's talked about that for a while. Like he would love to see JMU in Oklahoma city for the softball world series. Um, so, you know, I don't know how we set the parameters on this, Rob, about what, what does it mean that no one else really cares about a sporting event? Yeah, um, I think it means you can set it any way you want. Right. Um, if you want to say like Formula One because Americans don't care, that's fine, even though lots and lots of people do care. Um, so you can say it however you want. But I don't know if you had any thoughts on this. I kind of had like three I was thinking of. Well, um, I guess it's, I think that's a good way to look at two, it. Like yeah. Maybe yeah. the typical podcast listener slash American sports fan doesn't care, but there's always people who care about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I initially was going to go Tour de France. Because I think that that's, not, that, that's not that like a mainstream thing. Yeah. I, I think it seems super fun to just like go and post up in some random mountain. Camping or RV. Camping yeah. and like, yeah. whatever, just get a nice blanket and some really good wine and cheese and have a day of it. Like to me, it's, uh-huh. it's like going to a winery with a bunch of guys happen to go buy on bikes. Yeah. Um, and then I think I've talked about it on the past. That was I, my, one of my three. Yeah. So, yeah. The other one is um, yeah. in Siena. The, uh-huh. the Palio uh-huh. horse race, yes. which again, many, many people care about in Siena. These, and yeah. s- forgive me if I get the details wrong, but it's basically like, I think twice a year in the summer, there's like 10 horses from representing each of the neighborhoods in Siena uh-huh. go through the main piazza in town and they just like put dirt down in it and everybody gets in there. It's just insane. It's like the Bristol, if, if you're a NASCAR fan, it's like, yeah. you know, the Bristol Motor Speedway of horses. Yeah. That to me would be fascinating. Um, and then the other one, I was going to say, have you ever seen that cheese race in Britain where they roll the cheese down, the, down hill the hill and people yeah. just <laughs> demolish themselves? I, I kind of have a masochistic desire to go see that. Um, oh, so, that's so those are the three that I, that kind of jumped out at me. That's really cool. So I also thought the tour de France, that would be really cool. Um, my two were bigger than those two, I guess. So more in the, like Mainstream. a lot of people care, but not, yeah. Not necessarily everybody. I, I'd like to. I would love to go to the America's Cup, the sailing 
Yeah. Um, uh, yachting, you know. Well, it, for it, years I that was wanna, in Newport, so yeah. I, yeah, I don't really want to. I was going to say I actually would not like to go if it was in the states. Mm-hmm. Not that I wouldn't want to go, but just that would just be a trip to somewhere I've probably been, right? Yeah. San Francisco or Newport or whatever. Um, but if it was overseas somewhere, Australia, New Spain, Zealand, one yeah. of the plays, New Zealand, something like that, I would love to go to that. That seems like just a. The new boating. boats are insane, though. I don't know if they you are watch insane. I don't even even know if I care so much. It's just like the whole weird yachting community seems yeah, like it would be a be cool. little excessive uh, trip. Um, and then that one for me that I would really love, I would love to go to a ski race in Europe, you know, like a full, um, like I've never like been a downhill, to anything. Like a downhill? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I you know, I actually did get to go to Beaver Creek, the one that's here um, when I was younger. But, the uh, you know, American crowd is not as like, well, first, and at the time there weren't as many American competitors. But right now to have someone like Michaela Schifrin you know, I would love to go to, yeah, Austria or Norway or, you know, somewhere where, where they really, really care about this stuff. Uh, Switzerland, you know, um, one of the kind of famous spots. And I just, I, for someone who loves skiing and loves the winter, um, that's something I would love to do. And those places are amazing in the winter too. So. I think all of those, like, I would even like to go see, I know everybody makes fun of the biathlon, like cross-country skiing. Mm-hmm. And, for like, sure. Those crowds seem kind of crazy. They seem so oh. into it. And there's so much like, national pride and everything. that's Skylar. What is it? Uh, Jesse Diggins. I said Skylar Diggins, uh, Jesse Diggins, yeah. Egan Randall, the, the, the relay from the last winter Olympics mm-hmm. was like my favorite. I mean, that was so awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah. I think any of those like European winter sports, I think it would be fun just to be so different. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but it's um, weird because like people definitely care about that. And I care about that every four years. Like I get very into yeah, yeah. the Olympics. I get very into short track speed. Well, I think that's why curling. I'm saying I'd like to go to a regular, you know, World Cup downhill race, right? Like, a, yeah, like a, not not just, just an Innsbruck one the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like just one of the big famous spots. You know, that seems like it would be really really fun. I would also love to go, and this is something that clearly people care about from the sides of the crowds. I would love to go to a Japanese baseball game. Ah, yes. Like it's crazy with the, with all the chanting and everything. Or even better, um, the Japanese high school tournament. Are you familiar with this? No. They've got a high school tournament there, which is like our Little League World Series, but on steroids. We're like it the way it's been described to me from whatever it's like their March Madness. You know, oh, like wow. the whole country tunes in and it's these high school kids and it's actually kind of sick in terms of the pitch counts. Like these guys become legends, what they'll throw 200 innings, you know, or, uh-huh. or, or have 200, have 200 pitch outings. Oh, wow. but it's like the national <laughs> high school outing. And you look at a lot of the big guy, the guys that go on to play in the Nippon league. Yeah. And then eventually some of the guys go over there become legends and it's absolute legends. Like they're, they're done. It's the biggest thing over there. And it seems partially like romantic and cool and partially like disgusting and obsessive. And the fact that they're running these guys out there just with yeah, yeah. their arms but it's their version of March Madness. It just happens to be high school baseball. Well, you and I have talked about all these. Uh, of course, all of these events are going to be the things that are borderline um, insane. Obsessive. Right? I mean, yeah. obsessive and crazy, right? We've talked about the, what is it? The um, the Turkish soccer triumvirate there. Yeah. The, the Besiktas, Galatasaray. Yeah. yeah like, like, but that also seems like an actual chance of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and political violence, um, you know, India, Pakistan, cricket, massive chance of death and political violence, yeah. um, right? Australia, New Zealand, in like all manner of sports, 
mm-hmm. but particularly rugby and stuff. Go see the All Blacks. Museum. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you know, there's plenty of um. Yeah, I, I don't know. Can you go to the I Iditarod? Talk about where, like. Is yeah, that a I don't. I, I get torn about whether. So I I thought about this one because it's like something I would love to go to, mm-hmm. um, because of the place and the the winter and all that stuff. And then I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about the sport. So I. I'm, t- you know, I don't know. No, I, I think, a, we went yeah, dog sledding last year. Yeah, it's awesome. I know. I've it's done it. Awesome. It, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I know. The dogs are so cute. They're so excited. Like, uh, they just seem like they just want to run. Like all the yeah. puppies. Like that was a hard thing. Like the dogs that would get caught up or something. It wasn't that they ever seemed to be in pain or in agony. They just seemed to love to run, um, and it was super fun to do. I don't know how I feel, or I don't know enough about it when they're going for the whole Iditarod through the situation. Like, I, I don't know how humane it is in that right. sense. I get the, I get the inkling that they do really care about the dogs and they are well taken care of, but it is a, a, a little bit dicey. Yeah. And then at the Barclays marathon here, you know, in Tennessee, which is the, Oh, that's really insane. That's yeah. I mean, insanity. but that'd be a fun thing to, to sort of be in a warm tent. Um, watching watching as a spectator yeah i feel um, like that's people like come and go but i feel like yeah. that's hash racing going insane with like yeah, a, a certain degree of um yeah just like so torture I, I mean there's all kinds of like way 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 off the radar things that we could come up with that would be amazing um but these were good ones rob i like yeah, that I did, and I thank you tim tour de france, for the tour de france is one tour de france is one do. with it seems doable for us yeah yeah and you um, have to go to france you yeah. Do a weekend in Paris and then you go out someplace. And, and well, and I really hope so, Tim. Um, thanks to you for the suggestion, and I really hope you get to go to OKC in a couple of weeks to watch the Dukes. Mm-hmm. Um, I promised him years ago that I would be his wingman for this, and uh, li- life is not going to allow that to happen if it uh, if no, if the timing OKC will not work happens. Out. Timing will not work out for yours truly, um, either podcast host. So that's but that's a good thing. So um, we'll be cheering on the Dukes this week. Good gosh, I want to beat Liberty <laughs> on Friday. I really, really, really dislike Liberty in a very unchristian way. So <laughs> I would really like to beat them on Friday um, for the softball team to beat them. Uh, but, Rob, it's fun talking to you as always. Um, we'll wrap it up next week, you know, if, uh, you know, one way or the other. Uh, hopefully we'll be looking forward to another week of softball, right? It's happened once before in the program's history, and we'd really like it to happen again. Um, I think this team's ready to go. They look like it this weekend. They certainly did. God, if they can get, I feel like if they could score, they can find a way to put three or four runs across. I think this pitching staff can hold up no matter who they're playing yeah. right now. You know, so let's hope. All right, Rob, it's good talking to you. I will talk to you next week. Good talking to you. Have a good week, everybody. All right. Go Dukes.